Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to L.A. Kings Road Talk Radio. Because for once, we actually get to do a playoff preview where the Kings are involved, unlike last year. And the year before was actually kind of brief because uh, that was like, uh, hey, we're one and done. Uh, uh, yeah, lost, lost four to one versus San Jose. Good times. But that was then. This is now. On to the positive. And that's what we're here to do is talk about the uh, – the playoffs, of course, which is about uh, 10% the Eastern Conference, but the other 90% to the Western Conference, and of course, our beloved Los Angeles Kings. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, Augie, it was funny because in fans' uh, full disclosure here, uh, me and Augie attended uh, the Kings game there on Saturday. And first, before I even get to that, uh, I should give a public thanks to you, Mr. Augie Loya, for getting me and my buddy uh, John down there into the nether regions of the bowels of Staples Center, if you will, and being able to uh, watch the uh, before-the-game soccer uh, tournament that the Kings have before the game and uh, the VIP lounge, <laughs> really, I am, uh, I am forever in your debt because that was, as you said, that it's an interesting experience, and it really gives you kind of a whole nother, a whole nother take on really what it is to be a professional athlete. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, is this a good time for me to ask for a pay raise? Uh, I mean, with all the uh, with all the love and accolades right there on the hip, uh, perhaps a little contract renegotiation uh, and some more pucks and sticks and ducats that you paid me with. <laughs> there you go. Of course, of course your oh, your contract good. ends July first, so until then uh, yeah. you're you're still on uh, minimum wage. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Well, hey, I signed the deal. <laughs> 
And I'm going to do my best to fulfill the terms. But much like Drew Doughty, I'm going to look for that big payday. That big payday. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Anyways, we can maybe talk to that, talk about that a little bit later. But uh, one of the things, too, Augie, that was pretty funny was almost to a man, almost to a man, and you could probably vouch for this, every single person that I talked to at Staples Center was elated that we were playing Vegas. Not that we think we're going to kick Vegas's ass, but nobody was real excited about the uh, having to face the Sharks, given how well uh, they played against us this year. And uh, to the uh, the polar opposite, Kings finished in Vegas uh, two two with a two two and one record. And so uh, just funny how uh, really like everybody there wasn't one person in Staples that was a diehard Kings fan that was disappointed in this outcome at all. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, there were people who were disappointed because they just don't understand the concept of a uh, favorable matchup. And given the Kings' choices there, uh, Anaheim and San Jose have a lot to prove against the Kings. And they they play against the Kings with chips on their shoulders. And to me, it, this, is, this is the marathon of marathons. So with that said... Las Vegas is a really best-case scenario for the Kings because of the fact that they're going to be playing a team that when you look at them, uh, they have the least they're – they're not all playoff-tested veterans like the Ducks and the Sharks are. Uh, on top of that, Vegas is still uh, – that's kind of like wide-eyed kid uh, that can have anything happen. There's, there's no track record for them. So when you're looking at what your choices are, Vegas is probably the best matchup because, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I mean, the Kings had a uh, really interesting record against them. Uh, they lost in overtime once, got uh, that day that uh, Jonathan Quick played the the, uh, the first game in Vegas that the Kings played the road game there. Vegas got up to a quick, to a, excuse the pun, a quick start and ended up chasing uh, Jonathan Quick out of the net. Uh, and and uh, Darcy Kemper did a great job in there. Uh, he shut them down the rest of the way, and the Kings uh, were within one goal all the way within the last few minutes of that game until Vegas put it away with an empty netter. And then from there on, the Kings really played them very well the rest of the way. So out of all those teams, that to me is probably, and to anybody else, nobody's upset about not playing uh, San Jose or Anaheim in the first round, which, by the way, I'm really hoping that series goes seven games and quadruple overtime each game. That is, that would be just fantastic. That would be awesome right there. Indeed. And you know what? Let's, let's touch on that too before we uh, keep moving uh, and previewing the Kings nights. But that's the other thing that's so great about, about hockey is because we're so pumped up to watch our LA Kings play, but like I don't want to say equally excited, but I have I have a, a hell yeah enthusiasm to watch the Ducks and Sharks beat the shit out of each other for seven games. Like like what other sport do you get equally enthusiastic to watch two teams you hate actually go to complete war in a in a seven game series? You know what other sport can you say that about and and and, and know that it's going to deliver. Yeah, no doubt about that. The intensity between those two teams is something else, and neither one of them wants to go home after one round. I mean, th- those guys are playing for a lot, uh, for a lot, and there's a there's a big legacy there. Uh, we know that uh, 
that the current uh, incarnation of the Ducks, I mean, they, they did bring the first cup to Southern California, credit there. It was with a team full of mercenaries. And uh, you, when you look back on it, uh, those super teams that were being built was a huge, huge thing in uh, implementation of the salary cap because you can't go out and get Pronger and Niedermeyer and Solani and all these guys that they assembled uh, to win that cup uh, and, and bring it to, uh, to Anaheim. Uh, for their for, for their 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 cup that they do have, and San Jose, as you know, has only been to the Stanley Cup Finals one time, and that was two years ago uh, when Pittsburgh beat them for the first of two in a row. So those guys are are playing for something big, and to be quite honest with you, uh, I might saunter down to the Honda Center and watch that in person because to watch a Stanley Cup playoff game in person, there's nothing like it. And besides, the 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 tickets there are a whole lot cheaper than they are at Staples Center. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed, and that's that's of course uh, much like the uh, swallows returning to Capistrano. That's the other fun part of watching the the Ducks in playoffs to uh, spot the empty seats and wonder why. <laughs> you know how could yeah. it be? How <laughs> could it possibly be? No doubt. Anyhow, hey, moving back, one other thing too. Uh, going back to the Kings Knights, uh, since March 14th, the uh, Vegas uh, even. A little bit earlier that, even going back to like February 26th, uh, when they lost to the Kings in overtime, if you look at uh, at Vegas's record, they're basically a 500 team as well. I mean, uh, you know, when when you look at them, so they're hardly the dominating force they were at the start of the year. As a matter of fact, going to uh, going back to March 22nd, they are basically uh, three wins and uh, well, I'm sorry, four wins and five losses. Uh, in their last nine games. So once again, uh, that's got to be also a disturbing, because how, how many times have we seen it too, Augie? The hot team, hot all season, falters at the end, and then gets bumped off in the playoffs on the first round. I mean, you could you could set your watch by it. And, hell, don't they have the uh, President's Trophy curse? Uh, yeah, uh, that, that ongoing curse and – they they uh, well they enthusiastically hugged it the other night. Uh, who knows if they're really? Uh, it was funny. Nick Nixon was kind of talking uh, the other day, actually last game, the the wrap up show after the the Kings lost to the Stars, and he was talking talking about jinxes and curses and how he doesn't believe in them. And really, those those things only have I guess as much power as you give them. And maybe there's maybe there's something to it in Washington. Maybe that just enters their psyche over there, but. Uh, I got to say, uh, that President's uh, Cup trophy, who's the last team that, that won the Cup that, that won the President's trophy? We know that you off know, the top of our heads. I do not, but I will, I I will look it up. And, and yeah, we know it wasn't Vancouver. Too, though, yeah, uh, touche. And once again, just to clarify, too, it was Nashville that actually did win it this year, just to, uh, to yeah. go ahead and clarify it. The last team that won the President's trophy to win the Stanley Cup, your 2012-2013 Chicago Blackhawks. There you go, defeating wow. the uh, Boston Bruins. So there you go, last team. But mm-hmm. uh, in uh, since 2002-2003, only two teams have been able to do it. So there you go. Pretty long span of, uh, of years then, two out of the last 15. So make of that what you will. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, like I say, too, when, when you look at actually every – Western Conference matchup, really, apart from maybe getting Minnesota, uh, you know, 
or, you know, or Colorado, which, you know, was not a likelihood given how bad the Kings played this season. Really, when you look at all of those remaining teams, Vegas is definitely the clearly, clearly the best matchup we can ask for. And, and really the whole scenario, uh, once again, San Jose, Anaheim, hope they do that seven. Once again, hope there's a bunch of overtime games. Hope it's a brutally physically demanding series. And let's think about this too, though. The, the Kings flight to Vegas, I mean, that's a puddle. You know, that's a puddle skip yeah. to get over there. So mm-hmm. you're not talking about a long flight. You know, if the Kings finish in uh, wild, card, wild card spot number two, now they got to fly to Nashville. Now you're looking at them staying a couple of days. Hey, Augie, let me ask you this. Do you think, do you think the Kings are, I mean, are they going to stay over there? Or do you think they're just going to fly there, play, and fly home? Uh, I think they're staying over there. Uh, I, because one thing you have to understand about Vegas, the climate and the air there is different. It's very dry. I, I lived out there for two years, and it's an, a definite uh, shock to the cardio. So you don't want to be flying there and then oh, flying back you. to sea level okay. here. So you really want to uh, be there and taking that in. And as a matter of fact, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think they arrive tomorrow. If they're not already there, I, I'm not 100% sure on that. But uh, they, they may be arriving there tomorrow. Unless John Stevens is scared of them partying, they may arrive there Wednesday morning. So we'll see how Coach Stevens plays <laughs> that out. Does he trust the boys or not? So. <laughs> yeah, I I would think this time of year there's probably not a lot of babysitting need to going on. I mean, it's one thing to go uh, – it's one to think one thing to go for preseason. It's a whole nother ball of wax when the when the cup is on the line. So I don't know. I'd be uh, I'd be real surprised if there was any player that had to uh, be watched over. And uh, right. you know, if anything got got out like that too, Augie, realistically, think if it got out where a player, you know, was partying the night before or something. TMZ has some crazy uh, expose or something. Like that is that would be quite the blemish on an NHL player's resume, would it not? That's true. And as a matter of fact, uh, by the way, the Los Angeles Kings are scheduled to practice tomorrow morning at Toyota Sports Center at 10 a.m. ahead of their flight to Vegas. So they are okay. departing tomorrow. Perfect, perfect. And once again, uh, your schedule, Kings, what, Kings uh, first game, game one, Wednesday at 7 o'clock, game two, Friday at 7 o'clock, so all Vegas games with a little bit of an early start time. Uh, series comes back to L.A., and uh, nothing like a good 7.30 game on a Sunday night, right, Augie? Uh, thank goodness. I'm so glad because I will be there with bells on, of course. And, oh, hey, by the way, for those of you, in the Southern California area, most likely L.A., Hollywood, the Los Angeles Kings are bringing back the official watch parties. Uh, we've gone all regular season without a watch party, but the Los Angeles Kings have found a place to hold a watch party, and it's going to be at – this is the time for you to hit the drum roll, uh, Kip. The drum oh, roll. Okay. Go ahead. Hang on. Yeah. Oh, there we go. All right. It's right here. There we are. All right. And the drum and the drum roll, boom, hits. Guess what, folks? It's going to be at David Buster's in Hollywood. So, if you're anywhere the, near the Hollywood area, or if you uh, actually want to uh, save on parking, take the red line over there. And if it's too far to walk from the red line, just Uber on up. It's real cheap. And so this way, you can get together with all your Kings fans and watch 
the Los Angeles Kings take on the Vegas Golden Knights at the official Los Angeles Kings watch party over at Dave and Buster's in Hollywood. So uh, we got that uh, confirmed today. I had released that rumor a few days ago that they were looking at Dave and Buster's. So just to let you know, the exact address is 6801 Hollywood Boulevard. And the first 100 fans in there get a $10 power card to play games. So watch parties a lot of fun. You can buy raffle tickets. They, uh, they raffle off team signed prizes. That's where yours truly wins a lot of stuff. Always buy the same $20 in tickets. So, yes. Yeah, good, good, good. And I guess we should uh, pitch our unofficial watch party because the Kings aren't going to do uh, an official watch party in South Orange County. But a bunch of us are going to be meeting at Heroes in Legends on Lake Forest Boulevard. So uh, Lake Forest, uh, California, right in my own backyard here. Heroes and Legends, great place. Watched uh, a lot of games there before. Uh, good, good hockey people. I mean, there's a, lot, there's a couple bartenders, huge Kings fans. Uh, some of them that are Ducks fans, but that's all right because they love hockey. And you don't, uh, you know, a good place when you don't have to ask to put the hockey game on, right, Augie? When you walk in there and the games are already on, even if it's you know Washington versus uh, Toronto or some East Coast game, you always kind of uh, have a sense of pride when you can walk into a place that uh, loves hockey like that, and it speaks volumes about uh, the ownership. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, when you find those gems of places where you get the random people that come in and, and there you are and you look around and see someone wearing the jersey and you're like, whoa, all right, we have a bond right there. And you kind of look at each other as things are going on and then you exchange that first high five and then uh, maybe uh, buy a round of drinks or what have you. Yeah, that is like really cool stuff. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Hey, uh, while we're talking about the uh, L.A. Kings, Augie, do you have any Jake Muzzin update for us? Well, uh, I had about, let's see, let's see, what was the day of the pro stock sale? The day of the pro stock sale, I had some, I had some interesting news over there. And what we're looking at with Muzzin was hopefully he'd be back at the beginning of the playoffs, but it's looking like, I we're probably going to see him miss a game or two. It would not surprise me if he missed uh, both games in Vegas and doesn't hit the ice back out there until uh, game three at Staples on Sunday night. But then again, you could see him go out there as well on, uh, on Wednesday night. But it, we'll see. The good news was he, his arm was not in a sling, so that was – that, that, that was excellent uh, to see. Uh, but when I did see him at the Honda Center uh, after the uh, Kings and Ducks played, I did run into him down in the tunnel, uh, exchanged a fist bump with him, and he was, I mean, he was still having a little trouble raising his arm. But uh, that's, that's what I have. That's the latest that I've got. So Jake Muzzin, uh, I, and I think that LA Kings Insider kind of verified that today, that uh, Muzzin is a maybe uh, so we'll see. But either way, if Muzzin does get out there early, he's not going to be 100%. So we don't know what to expect from him and how this is going to be a hard-hitting series. I think that it would behoove the Kings to take a look-see how physical Vegas is going to be out there and go off of matchups because the last thing we need is to lose a guy like Muzzin so for, for a long time if the Kings are able to move on uh, past Vegas. So remember, this is a marathon, not a sprint, but at the same token, you still have to get past the first round. So uh, hopefully uh, they fix those issues that they had with the giveaways last game that led to four Dallas Stars goals in the first period. 
and that they can uh, kind of make up for the loss of Muzzin and Forbert out there who uh, saw Forbert in the tunnel after you after uh, soccer was over and you went back up. Uh, Forbert came in on crutches, uh, no cast, so. But I don't think we're going to see Forbert at all for the – I don't think we're going to see Forbert at all this series. Gotcha, gotcha. And, you know, you make a great point about Muzzin. You want to try to go in with your best lineup, but if he's nursing a shoulder injury and then you imagine him going into the uh, the corner with uh, Ryan Revis, you know, something – I mean, hell, that's how he got hurt originally was getting hit by uh, number 79 there on Calgary. And so, uh, you know, yeah, that would uh, – and once again, the coaches are going to shudder every time there's a battle in the corner knowing that. So it's uh, – I think he's going to really have to sell himself that he's 100% to be able to get into that game, and you're, you're right. I, I think anything – any less anything less than 100%, they might just be content to get him back in uh, game two or even just game three back in L.A., uh, give him some extra days. So really good uh, – really good points uh, right there, Augie. So – he, he had one other one other thing in regards to that. Remember two seasons ago when they rushed Alec Martinez back against the Sharks? Uh, you're kind of looking Correct. at the same scenario, except it was Martinez's leg that was giving him a problem. Uh, this is Muzzin's upper body, which he really – I mean, you can kind of protect your legs a little better than you can your upper body. Because remember, every time you go into the porch, you're taking a pounding there. So, and it's his uh, – I believe it was his right arm – that uh, that got injured. I, it was, gosh, uh, I I want to say it was his right arm, but as I replay the incident in my head, when he went into those boards, uh, I thought it was his left arm that he was uh, skating off funny in because I did post a video of the injury on Instagram because it happened right in front of me, uh, like literally right in front of me. And I just happened to be filming a slow mo of it. So at first I thought that he had uh, uh, hurt his. Uh, his neck, uh, but I believe it's his shoulder that uh, that got injured there. Okay, yeah, it'll be interesting to to see how that plays out. And uh, <clears throat> once again, how uh, how sad for Derek Forbert because he was, without a doubt, I think we were all in agreement that he was playing his best uh, his best hockey of the year. He was getting, you know, he was routinely getting over twenty minutes a game, and without a yeah. doubt, was playing fantastic hockey. So he's got to be. He's got to be devastated that he had his career probably, uh, probably you know, at a part where you know, at a point where a lot of people didn't think that he was going to be able to reach that, and then to not be able yep. to play in the playoffs for a hockey player—that's, uh, you know, that's there's no worse nightmare than not being able to help your team and uh, and be able to participate in in the playoffs. Hey, do you think they're going to? Uh, we're going to be seeing a little bit more Brickley. Is he eligible for uh, for the postseason play? No, he's not. I talked to uh, Daryl Evans on the radio show uh, about it and actually asked that specific question. And because he was added before, uh, after the trade deadline, uh, he is not eligible for the, uh, for the postseason. So we're not going to see Brickley out there. Uh, we got a glimpse at him. And uh, I got to tell you, I, when, when Nick Nixon floated the idea of him going uh, on the radio show the, the, the day before, the week before, I kind of thought, wow, Nick, you're kind of reaching there. But sure enough, they ran him out there, and he was actually the benefit of the flu bug that kind of made its way through the Kings locker room, and it hit uh, Paul Ledoux. And what uh, Nick and Daryl were saying that is if Ledoux was available, then Brickley probably would not have played. Uh, He just probably would have gone out there for a pregame skate and been a scratch. But 
uh, they decided to uh, put the kid in there, and I thought he, I thought he did fine. I mean, he, there was one play in particular I saw, and uh, I believe uh, who were we playing? Were, were we playing the Avalanche or the Coyotes? Who were we playing that day that uh, he was out there? Do you remember? Um, I it was thought, the Coyotes. Yeah, I thought that was the Avalanche. Yeah, okay, fair was enough. Go ahead. No. No, no, you know what? It was the Avalanche because it was the game before the Dallas Stars. So I'm thinking it was. Uh, I think it was a Coyotes. Anyways, needless to say, he uh, it, it was uh, he was out there and and the Kings were cycling the puck, and he was on the uh, he was on my on my right side. So uh, he was on the on the far side of the point. He got a pass, and right when he got the pass, he went tape to tape, cross ice from the point down to the lower circle to Dustin Brown. It didn't result in a goal, but it resulted in a high percentage scoring chance. And it just was such a beautiful play executed because he just executed it. He didn't think he knew exactly what he was going to do with the puck. And it was just perfect. Boom, boom, boom. And great scoring chance for Brown. So uh, that's what uh, that's what happened there with that. So uh, I liked him. I thought he did really good. Yeah, not too not too shabby for his first NHL game, jumping straight from the college ranks. Just to correct you, that was the Minnesota Wild game that, That's right. that uh, was the Wild got his first uh, yeah his first piece of the pie there. So, all right, good stuff there. And uh, man, it's going to be very very interesting just to see how that whole you know how the Kings shakes out and you know. Augie, me and you talked about it, not even specifically about the Kings, but that's the amazing thing about the NHL playoffs. You just – it's just completely unpredictable. You do not know what's going to happen, what player's going to get hot, what goalie's going to be able to win a series on his own, uh, what type of – once again, uh, every team's going to ramp up that physical play. What teams are going to bear the brunt of that, you know, much like we're talking about Forbert and Muzzin. That shit goes on in the playoffs, but it's on steroids and it's 110 miles an hour. And so uh, there is no harder trophy to win. There, there just isn't. And, uh, and it's just such a, such a great time of year. You ever notice, too, Augie, that the NHL playoffs always co- coincides with us getting like a heat wave? Yeah. Unbelievable today. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> It always it always uh, cracked me up because even even in the the late '80s, you know, it never failed. That first, you know, that first playoff game, and I was watching uh, ZTV so I can get the Eastern feeds and all this stuff. It never failed. Uh-huh. And it was you know 85, 90 degrees, and you know they always there's always the obligatory shot back east where it's still cold as hell and you're wearing flip flops. Yeah, so true. So true. I yeah, I, I was floored by today. So, <laughs> all right, good times for those of you that uh, aren't in California. Yes, it was about ninety degrees, uh, about ninety degrees here today. So uh, we'll see what factor that maybe that has uh, for ice conditions in LA or hell. I wonder what that wonder what the temperature is in Vegas today. Hang on, we'll go to, we'll go oh, look at that. Hey, I'm yeah. pulling up that. Well, I'm well. I'm pulling this up here right now too. We wanted to go ahead and uh, talk about the Humboldt Broncos uh, hockey team tragic accident there, and uh, you know nothing really can be said. I mean, uh, just uh, you know devastating, and uh, you know it's funny to the the hockey community, man. Uh, when you're in the hockey community, we're you know it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's a little small town in Canada. You know people here, people that play hockey, and they hear about something like that. 
it's just strange how uh, hockey fans just pull together and, uh, you know, you talk about the community, you know, you know, sometimes in politics, you know, oh, you have this community, this community up in arms, blah, blah, blah. But when, but when the shit hits the fan and something tragic hits the hockey community, it's, it's not, a, you know, people really, people really go to town and they mean business when, you know, when you send thoughts and prayers and, you know, you can see the GoFundMe right now. Right now, I think is almost at their goal. We'll try to get a, uh, we'll try to get a uh, update on that before uh, before the show closed, and I'll I'll get that link oh, I have out it. there too. So no, I I, I go ahead. It. I, I, I already have it. Uh, in three days, eighty six thousand two hundred and eighteen people. Uh, the goal was four million dollars. Those eighty six thousand people in three days. $6.5 million, and that's just on GoFundMe. And that does not include wow. uh, all of the money donations that are being collected by NHL teams. Uh, the last raffle, the 50-50 raffle at the uh, Kings uh, Fan Appreciation Day, 50% of that uh, went toward uh, Humboldt. And they were, as a matter of fact, they raised so much money for that that the Kings were still processing the entries late into the evening that night and just today released what the winning number was uh, for, for that. And as a matter of fact, I have it here. The total pot that night, $48,890, 24000 of that went to uh, Humboldt. Wow. Yeah. It uh, definitely pulls, uh, pulls people together, even at, uh, my son's roller hockey game here in Orange County. They had a little moment of silence before uh, silence before his game started. So uh, it is just uh, you know a horrible, horrible tragedy, but also kind of inspiring how it pulls people together, people from different uh, you know pulling for different teams. And uh, when something like that happens, you know everything kind of goes by the wayside. Are you with me, Augie? Right here, sir. Just having a moment of silence okay. for my chicken right here. <laughs> okay. Not a problem. <laughs> Sorry. By the way, yeah, uh, I know. That's okay. Okay. Hey, by the way, Vegas weather scheduled to be 91 degrees there uh, in Vegas on Wednesday. And uh, for Friday, going to cool down a little bit, going to go down to the 70s. But it'll be a hot one there on Wednesday, so we'll have to keep our eye on the ice there and uh, – see how uh how that holds up and uh augie what do you think about think, the uh the vegas golden knights limiting ticket sales to try to prevent uh opposing teams fans from going in there well not the first time it's been done uh we've seen uh we saw it happen last year in the uh in the playoffs uh, i think was in nashville uh so there was there were some other teams that were doing these shenanigans and just to give you just to give you a quick breakdown of what vegas is doing uh, what Vegas is doing is they're doing it from an incentive standpoint. Now, Vegas is a third-party seller. Their partner that you can only transfer tickets to as far as being a third-party seller is StubHub. So what they've done is they've come up with a way uh, to have season ticket holders do what's called the Knights Vow. So with this thing that's the Knights Vow, if you enroll in it, a full season ticket holder in the Knights vow, it's saying that you are not going to resell your secondary playoff ticket. I'm sorry, your playoff tickets on the secondary market. In this case, StubHub, since that's the 
only place you can transfer them because they use flash seats just like we do uh, down here at, uh, at uh, Staples Center. The Kings use uh, flash seats for their electronic tickets. So in exchange for taking that vow, so if you were a Knights fan and you took the Knights vow, those fans just pay 25% above the regular season price for their playoff tickets, which, I mean, that's, that's pretty good over there for how hot the market is there and how, how high the tickets are going. Now, if you do not want to take the Knights vow and you want to have the opportunity to sell your tickets on StubHub, you're going to pay a significantly higher price. You're going to pay about 75% above what the 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 uh the ticket price is for regular season so if you have a hundred dollar seat and you take the night's vow costs you 125 bucks you go to the playoff game and get to experience the stanley cup playoffs if you're like no screw that you're not gonna you're not gonna be the boss of me i'm not gonna take the damn night's vow i'm bowing out well vegas says okay no problem that hundred dollar seat is now going to cost you 175 dollars so that wow. that keeps yeah that keeps now it does keep StubHub in business because I think that the cheapest seat over there is going for like 185 bucks right now from uh, or it's over 200 dollars after fees, uh, but it keeps those those uh, keeps us fans from being able to invade the arenas because when we go there, uh, you hear the Code Kings go like when we take over Honda Center and when we went over and took over Vegas's rink. Uh, by blowing them out that last time we went there, that was all Kings fans out there. That's all you heard. So they've been, and the other thing too is the Knights monitor the reselling of their tickets. So uh, very hot ticket over there, and they're trying to keep them. They're trying to keep it a home ice advantage for their first time through. Yeah, right on, right on. Yeah, I've heard uh, some of the uh, expats from LA that live in Vegas say that uh, some of the Vegas fans there are. Uh, I I won't. Just these are obviously all secondhand accounts here, but uh, let's just say there's a lot of the uh, Raiders type fan mentality uh, that's uh, kind of associated there uh, with the Golden Knights, and uh, which is kind of silly, really, when you think about it, too. I mean, it's a, you're obviously a huge divisional rivalry, but think if, if it was not for the Kings fans' uh, heavy presence at Frozen Fury, Vegas would not have a team. Like, I mean, it's not, it's not even something that you need to ponder the thought. If not for the overwhelmingly huge tournament, turnout year in, year out, and Kings fans invading Vegas, no one would have ever given two shits about giving Vegas a team. And uh, you'd be talking about the Quebec Golden Knights or the, you know, the Seattle would have had that team. So uh, I, don't, I don't understand that mentality other than uh, – Maybe just there's some people new to hockey and they think that that's hardcore. I don't know. Augie, any thoughts on uh, on that? The unruly behavior and uh, borderline a holery from uh, some of the Vegas fans. I think it's a very small minority. Having lived out there and going to uh, games at the Orleans Arena and watching the ECHL uh, Wranglers over there, the Vegas Wranglers uh, play uh, in that arena. Uh, there is, there was hockey history there. There was a sense of uh, of people who do know the game, and a lot of people were excited about it uh, out there. And I think you just have a few folks who, as you said, new to the game, who really don't get that, or 
you have folks there who are going to the Orleans and paying five or ten bucks and still have that mentality that because ECHL shows like going to a freaking UFC match sometimes. And I think that they had that in their skulls and they don't understand what it is with the NHL. And you know what that reminds me of, Scott, what it makes me think back to? There was this great picture that I saw posted by a friend of mine on Facebook. And it was taken years ago at the old Montreal Forum. And, I mean, we're talking there's no mask on the goalie kind of years ago. And in the background, in the crowd, in the crowd, all the men are in suits and ties and all the women are dressed to the nines. Wow. It's just, yeah, it really blows me away because it it just goes to show that this game initially – was considered for all for as rough as it is and for for how hardcore it is it really was considered a, a gentleman's game and you see these guys on the ice i mean they could be beating pounding the crap out of one another and then when they're done with their issue between two tough guys you'll see them you'll see them subtly pat you know, you one will get a pat on the shoulder or one will get a pat like on the hip uh when andrioff yeah. uh, fought bx up for the second time and andrioff held his own against them and they were down on the ice what did andrioff do and keep in mind, he was coming back from a concussion when BS knocked him in the next week. Uh, and Jeff gave him a pat on the shoulder, thanked him for letting him have a dub. So a lot of yeah. a lot of fans who aren't true fans don't understand that nuance and don't understand the code. Yeah. And yeah. as you said, yeah. they they take this mentality that's just uh, it needs to go. Can't be doing that. Yeah. Now you saw that the other night too uh, against Minnesota. Clifford took that big run. Laid a good clean hit. Mm-hmm. Felino went yep. right over, challenged him, and they just kind of wrestled to the ice. But you saw that same thing. You saw Felino said something to him, you know, like, hey, I had to answer for that hit or something. And you could clearly see Clifford say, oh, yeah, no problem, patting him on the back. And they went to the bench. Hey, one other thing that you, you had reminded me of, the old the old black and white clip. So, once again, folks, if you're, uh, if, if the, if you're somewhat new to the game, you owe it to yourself to go to YouTube and look at some of the classic hockey clips in black and white. Cause there's one, there's one that never fails to crack me up. And it's, 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 it's an old bench clearing brawl. Okay. But this was what always cracks me up is that, you know, players used to routinely be able to go off the bench. There was no additional penalty. And back in the day you could get like five game misconducts and still not get kicked out. But, uh, it was a it was a, a bench clearing brawl, and I'll never forget this. The best thing about it was during the brawl, they have a cameraman run out on the ice, and there's the huge thick wire, you know, because that was back in the day where they, you know, there was no wireless. So while they're brawling, the camera, the, the boards opens up, the door opens up, the guy runs out with this big camera cord behind him, and then the best thing is he's smoking a cigar while he's filming. Oh, uh, so That's great! That's awesome. Isn't it? It's is, such, yep, such a different time. Awesome. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead and get to our annual pick'em here. Uh, that's right. We're going to go ahead and give our uh, prognostications. And uh, unfortunately, uh, being ill-prepared, I, I will have to go to the audio to go ahead and mark our claps. But let's go ahead and knock off the West here first. Uh, Nashville, Colorado. Uh, I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb, Augie, and say me and you are probably both in agreement on uh, who's going to win. I guess the question is, do you think Colorado will win one game? Yeah, I think they've got one in them at least. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised to see it go six games uh, just because that team's going to be really pumped about going in there. And those uh, 
uh, those forwards of Colorado uh, match up really well from a speed standpoint to give Nashville uh, that great Nashville blue line uh, a run for its money and to uh, spread them out and uh, and make things a little tough. And as a matter of fact, I got to tell you, if Arlamov was in there, this thing's going seven games, but he's not. It's uh, Baruvi. So, uh, I, yeah, six, I, I think you can squeeze six games, actually, out of it. Yeah, former Kings prospect, J.F. Baruby. That's right. Back up to yeah. Jonathan Quick in 2012. Yeah. Yeah, there's your tie-in right there. All right, well, I'm going to say I don't think it's going to go six. Uh, you know, I think if Colorado, that first game maybe goes into overtime and Colorado loses in overtime, I think the first game is going to be critical, obviously. If they could steal that first game, now Nashville's second-guessing themselves. If Colorado is going to win my, win one, my gut says that they're probably going to balls out and get one at home. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and go Nashville uh, in five is uh, my guess on that. Uh, moving through the West, Winnipeg versus Minnesota. Uh, once again, this is almost a, a Davy Goliath type thing, really mainly because of the injury to Suter. You know, losing yeah. Ryan Suter, brutal. I mean, that's, you know – that's an anchor. That guy, all you know, eats ice time. All star. It'd be similar to the Kings losing Dowdy. I just don't think any team is going to be able to overcome that. And once again, when you look at that juggernaut on offense that Winnipeg has, uh, yeah. you know, if you're going to beat them, it's going to be because they're going to have goaltending woes, or you know, you're going to try to get to their defensemen and wear them down. And I just I don't see Minnesota being able to, 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 to do anything, really. Uh, I will actually go with the same scenario. I think Minnesota, in the uh, state of hockey, probably balls up and uh, gets, a, gets one home game, just uh, you know, game three, game four in Minnesota to try to suck up a little pride and you know, restore a little dignity. But I see Winnipeg in five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, losing Suter is huge, uh, huge. I mean, I, I'm not going to repeat what you said because you covered it all right there. Uh, the Wild, though, did get some good news that uh, uh, Jared uh, Spurgeon returned uh, to practice. And they're looking okay. at him to see if he can come back uh, from that torn hamstring. So he said he Whoa. was uh, meeting with the uh, – yeah, exactly. Uh, he was set to meet with the team doctor later today to see if he can get clearance to play on Wednesday. So that shows you – how really desperate they are. And then on top of that, the other thing that you can't, the other thing you also have to factor in here, who's the head coach of the Minnesota wild. Ah, uh, yeah. 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 Bruce Boudreau, yeah. right? Exactly. Bruce Boudreau, who uh, for all the success, all the regular season success that he's had, he just, he just cannot get it done in the postseason. So uh, yeah, with that said, I'm with you. Winnipeg Jets in five over the Minnesota Wild. All right. Moving along. And once again, it sounds so crazy, but goddamn, I am so anticipating the the Sharks-Ducks. Like, literally, like, for me, there's nothing better than watching two teams I hate absolutely beat the shit out of each other. Like, you know, like, for me, nothing can get better. That's a no-lose situation right there. That's That's pure entertainment because I'm not emotionally invested. You know, when the Kings are playing, I have that – emotional investment where when they win I'm triumphant and when they lose I'm kicking the dog but 
you know, in the, the, the Ducks Shark series, I don't give a shit really who wins. I just want it to go long and want it to be brutal. Uh, I think it's definitely going to go seven games too. I, I just, it's got, it's got game seven written all over it. And uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and go with the Sharks. I don't know. I, I just think the Anaheim, a uh, little bit of, you know, inexperienced side. I don't know. Maybe not. Just just call it a hunch. I don't know. Sharks been a, you know, solid team all year. Once again, they hate each other. I guess the only thing I could really think of is at the end of the day, uh, we don't know if uh, Cam Fowler is going to be returning uh, for the Ducks. And uh, when we really look at game sevens, uh, you're talking about Gibson versus Martin Jones, and when you're really looking at those two goalies, I don't know. I, I just I think I give the slight edge to Martin Jones, but uh, how do you see it, Augie? Uh, yeah, uh, I think that uh, we know that Fowler is gone for the next two to six weeks of shoulder injury, depending, and Gibson has an upper body injury. Uh, I I agree with you in the sense, and Ryan Miller's been fantastic, by the way, as a backup, but this is this is the Stanley Cup playoffs. And uh, Ryan Miller, for all the experience that he has as an NHL goalie, he actually has limited experience in the postseason because of all the crappy years he had up in Buffalo, all the crappy teams he played for, rather. Not his crappy years, but the yeah. crappy teams he played for up there. And uh, he's uh, if, if they're going to put him in net, which they will, it's a different beast there. So with Gibson out, uh, I think actually, I think the Sharks take this, I, I think the Sharks take this in five. I want to see it go seven, oh, quadruple gonna... overtime, but I'm going to go Sharks in five. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Wow, that's and that's a, because that's of crazy. Fowler, and that's because, and that's because of Cam Fowler being out. That to me is a huge determining factor because Fowler's been huge for this team this year. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. What a great, what a great skater. You know, Fowler yeah. is and uh, mm-hmm. huge talent and uh, whatnot. So, but Jesus, that's the breaks. And once again, too, it'll be interesting. Uh, here's a little side note. Evander Kane, this will be his first playoffs ever. <laughs> you know, think about that. Isn't that crazy? Uh, yeah, nine seasons and never saw a playoff. Yeah, and so that they found a really good replacement there for Joe Thornton, which I don't think we're going to see him. I don't think we're going to see him at all. I think he's is he done for the year, or do we have anything about him? I haven't not heard. I assumed that he was done for the year, regardless. Is what I had heard. So, so yeah, I don't know. It'd be asking a lot too to have him coming in. But who knows if it goes? You know, if the Sharks go on a run and it goes deep into the season, I suppose there's then you're into that territory where there's probably a chance because it's certain, you know, his injury happened early in the season. But, no, I haven't I haven't heard at all. But, uh, boy, yeah, that'll be the last, good. The, the last thing I heard is they weren't depending on him to return this season because he did have knee surgery. And that was, once again, that MCL, which he came, I thought he came back way too soon from because uh, that was like, wow, he's back already after uh, tearing it last year. And then, boom, you know, he was out. And I was like, and he was there at the opening of the season. I was like, are you kidding? That's a pretty fast recovery. And it went down again. So, yeah, probably yeah. I don't think we'll see Joe Thornton. I don't either. But here's here's food for thought. How great would it to yeah. see uh, Evander Kane drop the gloves with Corey Perry or Getzlaff or, you know, yeah. one of the – you know, I have – I have so much respect for Getzloff. He's on the duck, so you want to hate him. But that guy plays the game it's meant to be played. He's tough. He'll stand up for teammates. He'll drop the gloves. Perry's kind of a, a spot picker. But, boy, that would be awesome to see, you know, to see that. Hell, I wouldn't rule out uh, 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out seeing Joe Pavelski try to get uh, Perry to drop the gloves. I would not rule that out at all. As a matter of fact, that's, almost, that's oh. almost my star player lock. Uh, actually, you know who else uh, would be good to see drop the gloves against Kane? Uh, would be uh, Ryan Kessler. Kessler's not afraid oh, yeah. to drop the gloves. Yeah. No, no. That's a good call. Kessler's kind of a spot yep. picker like Perry, but uh, so I think uh, I think Kessler going with uh, going with Kane is probably way out of Kessler's league just because he likes to spot pick. But it would be kind of interesting, uh, you know, if there's a blowout or something like that, and he tries to send a message. Oh man, I'm getting all jacked up here, getting jacked up to watch yeah. the Duck Sharks play. God Shoot, damn, how can you not great. be as a hockey fan? As a hockey fan, you've got to be jacked up for that, no doubt. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. That's arguably the the be- one of the you know arguably I like that and Philly Pittsburgh. It's if you like if you like fisticuffs, you like you like rough play from rivals. There, those are probably your two best mm-hmm. matchups right there. Speaking sure. of, let's go ahead and do a little East prognostication, starting with uh, well, wait a second. Versus- oh, hold on a second. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. We didn't talk about the Kings and the Golden Knights. Oh, I, it's because I, I recuse myself because I don't want to anger the hockey gods. I cannot well, with a bar, I bipartial and impartial uh, heart be able to prognosticate on that series. But, okay, what the hell? You talked me into it. Uh, All right. Let's like I say, I think uh, together here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, off the top of my head, the one thing that – and this is weird, too, because quick can always steal a series. You know, that's true. We've seen it so many times. Quick gets on his game. He can steal a series. Uh, but Flurry, you know, say what you will. He's a three-time Stanley Cup champ. He can yeah. also steal a series. I don't think he's maybe quite as likely as Quick is, but there is that possibility. I do think that the Kings playoff experience uh, going deep in games and, uh, and whatnot, I think probably carries the day a little bit here. But by that mm-hmm. same token, uh, there's no denying that Gerard Gallant is a hell of a coach. You know, he's a, a great, he's a great coach. He was great on Florida. He's great for Vegas. So, uh, if I had to say, uh, I, of course, I will go with the Kings in six. <clears throat> I don't think it will go to seven. I think, uh, you know, Kings maybe split, split the, the home and home in Vegas, come back, maybe win the next two uh, in front of a pumped up home crowd. Back to Vegas. I just, I don't know. I see that sixth game as probably being the defining factor, and that, of course, will be at Staples Center. And uh, at that point, I, I will think that is going to be the one that the Kings bring the baby home. Well, I am going to go out on the limb here, and I am going to declare the Kings sweep the Golden Knights in four. Ooh. Wow. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Brett. Break it, break it down. Give us the give us the rationale. Well, here's the rationale. Uh, this team is as playoff tested as you know, and I really think that Vegas is going to go out there and they're going to overplay their hand. And what I mean is, uh, they're they're not going to they're going to be so excited and so pumped up that uh, they're going to make the first mistake. And this is in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, these are games that are won two to one, one nothing, three to two, and those are the types of games that the Kings thrive in. Where Vegas has had their biggest success is in wide open games, 
And a lot of times in this, this kind of series, the referees tend to swallow their whistles. It's going to be interesting to see if they still, if they enforce as hard the slashing and hooking rules that they did during the regular season. Uh, and that, that's also mm-hmm. a determining factor. If the Kings can stay out of the sin bin, yeah. uh, they, are going to, they are going to give the Vegas Knights fits. And it's going to be uh, – Vegas does have a lot of playoff experience because of the players they have out there like James Neal and Marc-Andre Fleury and, and so forth. David but they've also Braun. got a lot of youngsters too. Yeah, they're front. Yeah, but they've also got a lot of youngsters too that have never been there. And this is a team that it, – this is, this is a different type of season. So uh, my breakdown is that Jonathan Quick just dominates, just goes out there, dominates the Kings – uh, slow the Vegas Knights down enough that they can impose their will and, and play that big, heavy style of hockey, but still able to keep up with the speed with the kids that got the experience. When you've got Kempe out there and Toby Reeder, who can keep up with these guys. Uh, so that's uh, that's what I'm thinking right there. And uh, yeah, I think the Kings can do it. Four straight, sweep them out. Na 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 na. Hey hey. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Adrian Kempe and Toby Reeder, I was thinking about this, and we talked about it. Uh, we talked about it Saturday. The great thing about the playoffs, you never know who that uh, Chris Contos is or that one player that just gets red hot. And uh, I was thinking about this, dude. I could totally see Kempe being that guy that just gets on a little roll and could actually, you know, put a, just go on a tear. He's got the speed got the confidence in a playoff game. Uh, we saw when uh, Manchester, when he played on Manchester, first kick yep. a professional hockey can. He was one of the leading scorers there in the AHL as uh, Manchester went on to win. Uh, was that the Calder Cup, I believe? The Calder Cup. And, yep. uh, You're right. Yeah. And, and so it'll be interesting to see uh, if he can bring that intensity and once again, maybe raise his level of play. He's he's certainly do. So he's my wild card player. Uh, any other wild card players on the Kings that you want to keep your eye open uh, for, Augie? Uh, as far as those who uh, who are going to surprise you, only because he's kind of been dormant a little lately, is uh, Tyler Toffoli. Uh, I think I think Toffoli can really get out there and do some damage. And what was really, by the way, one of the things that was really encouraging to me in that in, in that garbage can of a game uh, at Staples against the Dallas Stars was Alec Martinez netting two goals. Uh, he was uh, one thing I was noticing about him is his shots from the point weren't finding the net. I mean, they weren't even finding the they weren't even finding the goalie to create uh, to create a rebound, a scoring chance, and he netted two of them. So whatever he's been doing lately uh, to work on his game and find that accuracy that, uh, that he seemed to have been missing lately. It looks like he found it, and the Kings should be, redoing, should be rejoicing about that. So, uh, yeah, I think that from the defensive side, I think Alec Martinez rises to the occasion. And uh, from the standpoint of, uh, of the forwards, uh, I'll go with, uh, you know what? I'm going to go with Toby Reeder. All right, fair enough. You know, it'll be fun to watch, too, as you know, the David Perron-John Quick rivalry that they have dating back to, uh, hell, 2012, that uh, Kings-Blues right. series. Uh, mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see uh, when Perron tries to pull that and uh, Dion Phaneuf is out there. I don't think Dion Phaneuf's yeah. going to let uh, Perron get too far with anything involving Quick. I would not be surprised 
to see him uh, drop the gloves uh, once or twice in this series and really try to be a, a physical presence. So that's just something else off the top of my head that I would want to look out for. All right, let's go ahead and uh, and do our Eastern breakdown, uh, starting with Tampa Bay versus New Jersey. Augie, we talked about it a little bit. The team that's always hot at the start of the year, uh, end of the year, things get a little bit rough, seem to lose their game. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Tampa Bay is pitcher perfect for that. They were unstoppable in really the first 60 games of the, the year. Clearly the cream of the crop, kicking the snot out of everybody. But uh, just mm-hmm. five, four, and one in the last ten. Meanwhile, the uh, New Jersey Devils seven, two, and one in the last uh, ten. And once again, you see uh, uh, Taylor Hall and really the uh, the Devils' offense with a bit of a resurgence. I, I don't know. I, I think if you're going to choose where one where there's going to be an upset, this this has upset written all over it. I would not be surprised if actually Jersey wins this one. And once again, maybe five or six. Uh, that, you know what, I think that's a really good assessment, but I think New Jersey uh, is going to get bit by the karma bug here because they sat out a bunch of their players the last game when they could have pushed a matchup versus the Penguins, who they, I, who they were, they were goal, they were great against them this year and kind of manipulated this, uh, this spot to play Tampa Bay and avoid Pittsburgh in the first round. Uh, I think I think that uh, this is not the upset special. I, I think you're sniffing around the right spot that just picked the wrong bush. So I'm going to disagree with you, and I'm going to go Tampa Bay in five. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Now this next uh, next matchup is a dandy as well. Original yeah. Bruins versus Leafs. Uh, I'm sure Jeff uh, out there in uh, Ontario, I bet you they're not talking about this game at all, huh? They're probably, uh, Jeff probably hasn't heard anything at all about uh, this matchup nope. or anything about not the league. They're probably not covering it at all, I'd be, I'd guess. Nope, I think that Toronto's on silent. <laughs> yep, uh-huh, they're on mute. They've been muted. <laughs> Perfect. You know, the other thing that I love about this, too, is, uh, was it last season or two seasons ago, Aki, when Toronto choked the three-goal lead and, in essence, lost their playoff series and uh, sparked uh, the greatest uh, fan reaction videos ever uh, from every Toronto fan as you watch that meltdown? Was that last year or two years ago, Augie? I'm thinking it was maybe two seasons ago. I want to say it was two seasons ago. Yeah, I, I, I think it was two seasons ago. The when they blew the three goal lead. Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. Wait. You're talking when they lost Game Seven, right? Uh, correct. Had, wait, had, they, the, had the yeah, healthy oh, lead. Oh, that was way back. Yeah, no, that was back in 2013. Hmm. Okay. That, they were up My four bad. one. They were up four one on the. They were up four one on the Bruins. Correct. Yeah, that, okay. that was the wow. year that uh, that, 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 that was the year that the that, that the Hawks yeah that the Hawks beat the Kings in the Western Conference Final and, and it, yeah they they had the big lead and that yeah oh yeah oh yeah that's uh, it's still too soon <laughs> yeah. for Toronto so <laughs> it's still too yeah. soon. <laughs> well what a fun what a Ooh. fun matchup though once again just for that original six just for that storyline right there alone. Uh, when yeah. you really look at the uh, when you look at the two teams, uh, Boston five three and two in their last uh, their last ten, Toronto six and four. 
probably a series that can go either way. Uh, Boston, really, what a hell of a second uh, half they had, huh? They were they look like a mediocre team the first half of the season, but boy, they've really, really turned it around. Uh, you know, we always yeah. think of that last second Toffoli goal, but uh, Jesus, to, for them to come back and finish the season with 112 points, pretty damn impressive. Uh, I don't that really is. know what to win. I'll, I'll tell you, you can, I could flip a coin on this one, Augie. I have no, I have no idea how this would go. I think if I had to have a gut feel and I have to choose one, I'm probably going to go with Toronto. I just think maybe the young guns on that team maybe going to have a little something to prove. I think uh, Austin Matthews probably really going to be uh, the, the key factor here. So I don't know. Like I say, no other reason at all than just thinking that. Uh, maybe the young Toronto scores along with the Mike Babcock effect are going to be able to put together a game plan uh, that's going to take out Boston. Once again, no other, no, no other backup at all other than that. Just my line of thought with the, the Babcock and the young scoring connection. Yeah. So you're picking a, uh, a Toronto, New Jersey second round. <laughs> yeah, I guess I am. Yeah, I guess you are. Well, I'm going to have to concur with you, Hip Check, and say that the Toronto Maple Leafs eliminate the Boston Bruins in the first round in a semi-shocker, only because, I mean, the Leafs got so much damn talent uh, on that squad. And plus, uh, Freddie Anderson's kind of uh, battle-tested over there. He's got he's got playoff experience. So uh, it's not uh, – there's different things in play here. And Anderson, when he gets hot, that's another guy that can uh, – that can steal a few games here and there. I say the Toronto Maple Leafs take this in a seven-game thriller by coming back after Boston gets a 4-1 lead and chokes it off in the third period of <laughs> Toronto Storms back for the win in eight overtimes, 5-4. to four. <laughs> Oh, dude, that would be so great. That would be so comical, dude. That'd and then we're so watching epic. the uh, Boston the Boston Bruin fan reaction videos on YouTube. After right. That. <laughs> oh God. Oh my God. That just, yeah. please let hockey gods, let that happen. Hockey gods, please let that happen. Uh-huh. Including the eight overtime, maybe including the, yeah. the eight overtimes. Yeah. Make that happen too. And they're, and, and they're, you know, they have uh they're showing the game at Gillette stadium there on the big screen. So, <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> the fans, the football stadium to watch it. Good Lord. World's largest. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah, world's, that's right. World's largest fan reaction video. Oh, my God. All right. Let's go to the next bracket. <laughs> See what other you teams got we this come went, up with. Yeah, this next one, I think me and you are probably going to both be on the same page. Uh, Washington versus Columbus. Washington ends up, uh, once again, being the number one seed in their division. Now, we were talking about this on Saturday, and we said it's just – too easy to pick Washington as the team that uh, is going to choke in the playoffs. I still yeah. think they will choke in the playoffs, but it ain't going to be to Columbus. I say Washington nope. five all day long. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, actually I'll go uh, only because Hopi's been kind of inconsistent. Uh, I'll say Washington in six. I'll, I'll give him, I'll give okay. uh, Columbus two wins there. I'll give, I'll give uh, Bob Brock right. a chance to get two wins. Yeah. Go. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. And as we go to our last and final draw, uh, once again, this is another series that I'm I'm so stoked for. Philadelphia versus Pittsburgh. Just always such a rival to start with. Like, 
you know, there's some games, you know, when it's game 40 of the season, it's a long season. You know, if uh, NBC Sports' Monday night matchup is, you know, Columbus and Tampa Bay or something like that, sure, I'll put it on, but I'm not really going to spend too much time watching it. But anytime it's Philly versus Pittsburgh, boom, I am there. You got it. So. Got to see that. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Totally. So I am all jacked up to watch this series. Teams definitely hate each other. And uh, once again, just such a long rivalry uh, across the board. And uh, I will tell you, though, on this one, I, I don't think, even though uh, Philly once again had a pretty strong year, 6-1-3 uh, and three in their last 10. Of course, Pittsburgh 6-3-1 and one in their last 10. Uh, I don't know. It's as it's close as they are at the regular season. I just don't think you're going to be able to, uh, to, to beat the Crosby factor in this one. While uh, Giroux is good and, uh, you know, Philly obviously has, has some good players and, uh, you know, a good team and whatnot. At the end of the day, Augie, I just I just don't think that the I, I just think that the Crosby and Malkin are a one-two punch that uh, that the uh, that that the Flyers are not going to be able to uh, to overcome. I mean, really, when you look at it, uh, you know, Sean Couturier with really a career year, 76 points, 31 goals, career year. Uh, you know, and. Uh, uh, even, you know, the Gattaspieri, you know, great defenseman, mobile defenseman. All of that is great. I just don't – I don't know. It's just weird. Just a gut. I just, I just don't see in a divisional matchup the Penguins actually losing to anybody, barring Radko Gudas maybe, you know, able to actually take out Crosby and Malkin on the same shift, which I don't think is <laughs> happening. But go ahead. Your breakdown, Augie. Uh, yeah, I think you're right on there, and you can't forget about Phil Kessel either. And uh, and, and I mean, they, uh, I mean, you got Malkin, Crosby. It's almost unfair. I mean, to have Crosby and Malkin on the same team, and then you put uh, Kessel in the mix there. Uh, it, it's just, it's a that's a team that's got a lot of firepower. Uh, and uh, this year, scary as it sounds, uh, they've got they actually have a healthy. Uh, the Pittsburgh has a relatively healthy blue line. So yeah. last year they were uh, they they were missing uh, they were missing one of their uh, one of their main defensemen uh, back there. Uh, yep. What's his face? Chris uh, Letang. Uh, yeah, Letang. They were missing Chris Letang. Letang. They still go out. Yep. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, we'll just we'll, we'll just go win this <laughs> in six instead of seven games. And on top of that, you still yeah. got only, you, you got Mata back there, and you got Schull. I mean, they've got they've got size and guys that are uh, that are tested that uh, that are going to make a, a difference there. And I don't see Simmons and. Uh, and the rest of the team there uh, overcoming that uh, against Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh just has Philly's number. Uh, Yeah, so I think Pittsburgh takes it in five. And really just Philly wins one because, well, it's Philadelphia and they'll go out there and and win one one for the Gipper and at least not get swept. So that's that's my opinion. Speaking of Chris Letang, he actually ended up being the fourth leading scorer uh, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So – uh, astute call, and there you go. Uh, I just don't see uh, Philly getting past that. But uh, there we are, your prognostications uh, for the 2018 Stanley Cup playoffs. There we go. First round. First round. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. be fun. So, yeah. All right. Hey, you know what? 
All these teams, yep. they have one goal in mind, win 16 games from here to June. That's that's the magic number, 16. You win 16, you get, to, you get to hoist Lord Stanley's Cup. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, real quick, let's go ahead and get get, get your kit uh, caught up a little bit on some of the prospects here. Actually, we're only going to feature one. Uh, Kingston Frontenac currently down 2-1 to one in their semifinal series against the Barry Colts. However, uh, Mr. Gabriel Velarde, we've talked about him once or twice on this show, actually leading all players in uh, playoff scoring. 16 points in eight games for Gabe Velarde. Wow. Uh, leading uh, leading all, all players right now. And uh, once again, uh, it'll be interesting to see how long, uh, how deep they go, uh, you know, how deep they go in the, in the playoffs. And of course, Jeff uh, Duarte spoke about how they were heavily favored, uh, but it's been a rough go. It's, it hasn't been a cakewalk so far. Once again, down two to one against Barry. Barry, of course, led by Aaron Luchuk and uh, Dimitri uh, Sokolov and uh so one against two there, but uh, they have a good team, and it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Augie, have you watched any of the junior games? Do you, do we even know how the hell we could watch any junior games? Do we have to pot, to buy like a hockey package to be able to watch those? I I think so. I I think that outside of Canada, uh, you got to do something. Uh, I think they have an online option, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, there are uh, sometimes NHL uh, Network will broadcast them. It's very random, though, but uh, I haven't. I I have not seen aside from the uh, the, the that uh, playoff uh, junior cup that, uh, that that was up here. Uh, I haven't really seen much of it. I spend too much time watching the NHL actually and uh, keeping up with the rain on occasion. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And uh, speaking of the rain, they're uh, still playing. I think uh, they are going to be entering the playoffs here soon. Of course, the rain have that funky schedule where, because they are on the east or on the west coast, uh, to minimize travel expenses, they actually uh, have uh, play less games than other teams. Therefore, when you look at their stats, they pay a, a big price actually in winning percentage. So, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, yes, the Ontario Rain have clinched a playoff spot. Uh, not based on points, but because of their point six zero eight winning percentage. Only in the AHL does uh, does that happen. But uh, anyhow, so we'll see nice. what happens there, and uh, keep our, yeah, keep our eyes oh, on there. I the guess way, this weekend. Uh, yeah, buddy. I'm sorry. But by the way, I do have uh, a bit of prospect news. Uh, you ready for it? Throw it at me. Of course, you're ready for it. Okay, so two of the Kings prospects. Austin Strand, defenseman, and forward, and Jared Anderson Dolan are on the Ontario Reign for the playoff run. So these are two two kids. Yeah, these are two kids making the jump. As a matter of fact, uh, Anderson Dolan was out there uh, last uh, last game, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I forgot. It was military appreciation night, but I forgot who they played. And I won eight goals the other night as well. So, uh, and Jared Anderson, Dolan, Austin Strand, two LA Kings prospects getting their first taste of professional uh, experience at the AHL level for the Ontario Reign. Wow. Interesting. Some other moves, and I was thinking about this, other prospect news is as disappointed as we are with uh, with Forbert going down, 
think next year you are going to have the aforementioned Austin Strand, who uh, you know we just talked about, but now you're also, you're also going to have Daniel Brickley in the mix, and I don't think you're going to mm-hmm. sign a, a highly coveted college player to uh, you know expecting that he's going to go into Ontario. I mean that it's a possibility for sure, but typically a marquee college player like that, they're going to sign with a kind of a an understanding that there might be a, an NHL, you know, starting in the NHL. But think about this then. Next year, not only do you have Daniel Brickley in the mix, but also Kale Clegg, who is still currently playing uh, for the Moose Jaw Warriors. And uh, they're in their playoffs right now. He has nine points in nine games. So, oh, he's only a point-a-game player there in the uh, – in the uh, the playoffs right there too, but this is his last season as well. Once again, highly coveted, uh, played on Team Canada, which really, when you think about that, when we look at training camp next year, Augie, somebody's gonna somebody's yeah. gone. <laughs> you know, you, you don't have yeah. Room, you know, Kevin. Well, you're, you're, oh boy, this is and this is what. Okay, so uh, let me just let me just sum it up like this: the Kings have a very interesting situation on defense. Drew Doughty's entering the final year of his uh, of his huge deal that he uh, that he signed at the time, uh, which is seven million dollars a year, and next year's the final year of that he's a UFA. Uh, so Fanouf, there he's on the, he's on that defensive squad uh, all the way up until the end of 2021, and Alec Martinez 2021, Jake Muzzin until the end of 29 till the end of 2020. So now you've got Daniel Brickley who's uh, got a two-year uh, entry-level contract at 925000 uh for this season and next. Then you've got – here's the following issues here coming up. Uh, oh, and Forbert, he signed for $2.5 million to the end of 2020. But listen to this. You've got Fattenberg, 925000 restricted free agent after this year. Paul Ledoux, 874000 restricted free agent after this season. Christian Folan, 850000 He's been a bargain. That guy has been a – Frickin' yeah. he's been fantastic this year, especially for the price. He's an unrestricted free agent after this year. And then Kevin Gravel, unrestricted free agent. So those are the guys. So out of those guys, who's going to be gone? I think Gravel will be gone. He's 26 years old. I think the Kings look right. really ser- take a hard look at Folan and Ledoux. I think uh, I think Fattenberg will be gone. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, either Alec Martinez or Jake Muzzin uh, dangled out there and traded. As much as I'd hate to see one of them go, uh, when you're looking at saving money under the cap, and, and the cap is going to go up, by the way. We just don't know how much yet. Uh, you got, what are you going to do with Drew Doughty? You, yeah. I mean, according to yeah. the mayor, John Hoven, Doughty's not going anywhere. But what are you going to pay him? The market right now? Yeah. It's really set by what they paid Andre Kopitar, $10 million a year. So what is Drew Downey yeah. worth? Indeed. Indeed. And just a flashback, and before I get to my uh, my picks for the decor, just a flashback. It wasn't that long. We talked about the Dowdy uh, with Jeff. You know, Toronto covets Dowdy big time. And we had talked about uh, that possibility of a Mitch Marner – Pull number ones. Uh, we had uh, also found out too, right, that the Toronto top prospects are both defensemen, and one of them actually played on uh, one of the other prospects' teams, right? There was a 
wasn't he on the? He might have even been on the same team as Velarde. We'll have to look at that. Where there was their number one defenseman prospect was on a junior mm-hmm. team by that the Kings had already had, had. You know, there was already other prospects on. They were probably getting a good look. So, as much as we would hate to see that eventuality. Uh, it's definitely food for thought. Hey, my point here is I absolutely agree with you. Gravel is gone. At at that age, you see the development. He's he's, he's going to be a number seven defenseman at best, you know, number six, number Mm -hmm. seven. That's what you're going to get from him. Uh, I think Ledoux is going to be gone. Once again, he was a college player too, so it's kind of different, you know, when when you draft him out of the junior leagues, if you think, hey, he's 20, 21, still plenty of time. But when you're – Getting these guys from the college ranks, they come in older. Uh, when we look at yeah. uh, at Iafalo, for instance, you know, uh, even Johnny Brzezinski, those guys are 24, 25 years old because they're coming out of college. So, uh, but when you look at uh, Ledoux, I, 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 as much as I was hoping that he would be the savior, he's basically, uh, he, he's really basically the, uh, uh, you know, the reinvention of uh, of Chris Snell, <laughs> you know. You remember Chris Snell, Augie? Oh, my God. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, that's go down. Go down memory lane, Chris Snell. Indeed. So, anyways, just to tell you, Chris Snell was just an undersized defenseman. Had all sorts of offensive talent. Uh, great passer. Great shot. Unfortunately, in the NHL, you need more than offensive talent if you're ever going to be a defenseman. Mm-hmm. You have to have a minimum of defensive ability and you better damn well have a little bit of size and you better be able to have a little muscle because NHL coaches are going to expect you to win one-on-one battles and they're not going to uh, take pity on you because you're 5'10 and 180. They expect you to get the mm-hmm. job done. And that's that ultimately I think is going to be Paul Ledoux's uh, undoing, especially too when you look at Daniel Brickley. Jesus Christ, that, that kid was what, six foot three and 210 right now? Yeah, that's a, that's a big boy. By the way, he he looked when when I saw him downstairs in the tunnel, I was like, "What's Nick Dow doing here?" The guy's a dead ringer for Nick Dow. It's <laughs> just like <laughs> yeah. <my> taller, <laughs> just like Nick Dow. <laughs> By the way, officially oh, we have boy. Brickley listed at six three two zero five. So there you go. Yeah, that's about right. That's a big boy right there too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It, yep. it showed too. I mean, when he played that game, he just he looked big. He just he looked yes. He looked physically imposing, you know. So yeah, that's food for thought there as well. All right, Augie. Well, mm-hmm. uh, dude, always great talking hockey with you. And uh, I guess we're going to have to set up a, a show for Wednesday night. Uh, once again, the game's starting at seven o'clock. I don't know your uh, status or Jeff's status. And once again. Uh, Given that I have to get up and go to work the next day, double overtime games sometimes can mean a oh uh, no show for that night. So we will uh, we'll talk behind the scenes here and see what our LA Kings Road Talk radio schedule will be uh, for the yeah. next couple of games, Wednesday and Friday, and hopefully be able to do one or two of those guys. And uh, always great talking hockey with Yogi. I could have sat here and easily bullshitted with you for another thirty minutes if we wanted to. Oh, absolutely. Definitely hip. Always a pleasure with you. I can just tell you right now, my status is I am going to be at Dave and Buster's for the LA Kings official ah. watch party for game one and game two of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I just got confirmation hip that yours truly will be 
on the glass for game three against the Golden Knights. So sweet. Yeah. Oh, yes. How sweet life is. Are you going to wear your L.A. Kings Road Talk radio jersey and and put it up to the glass every time the camera goes there just to give us a plug? Oh, absolutely. I've been wearing the official L.A. Kings Road Talk radio uh, colors, which is my beautiful baby blue Bailey L.A. Kings jersey. Right on. Well, congratulations. That will be awesome. And once again, I believe uh, in Orange County, we're going to be at Heroes and Legends in Lake Forest. Can't miss it. Go find it. Should be a good crowd. Uh, a lot of lot of Kings fans here in Southern Orange County. Don't let it fool you. But uh, all right, yeah. Augie. Hey, you have a great night, buddy, and we'll be we'll be talking soon. Okay. I will. Definitely. Oh wait, I have all one right, more question friend. for you. Wait, wait, wait. I got one more question. Sure. It's it's not an LA Kings Road Talk Radio Show without getting a hired gun trio update on your upcoming shows. <laughs> oh, I thank you so much. Uh, yes, our hired gun trio. Our hired gun trio, we got a bevy of shows coming up. Uh, but for those of you, once again, in Orange County, you definitely want to go to the 420 show at Costello's Tavern in Mission Viejo. That is going to be a blast. They have a full bar, uh, good food, uh, smoking patio, and a stage with a great sound system. And uh, it's going to be loaded with actually Kings fans, my friends, uh buddies, family, from really every member. Uh, By the way, too, I should mention that, you know, uh, the Hired Gun Trio drummer is actually a Ducks fan because he actually does the uh, works, sometimes works the camera on day games at Ducks games. So he's an audio video guy when he's not uh, being a drummer. So our drummer is indeed a a Ducks fan, truth be told. But go down there to Uh Costello's Tavern, 420, Going to be a great time. Full set, full bar, cool place, cool people. That's definitely the show to go to. Well, look at that. Outstanding. And uh, all right, Hip. Well, good. See what that. We got that out there. You had so much to say about it. So, oh, all right. Rock and roll. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't even prod you behind the scenes. You just, you didn't, uh, being the uh, professional co host you are, you just let it roll off. Nice. It's just the thing to do, right? That's right, man. Just make it. Just make it. Sometimes you just gotta go with the wind, man. Just, just follow that breeze. <laughs> just let the let the let the wind control the sails, and just follow that ocean water to the higher country of show right. in Mission Viejo. That's right. You can get there by boat. Yes. We need the good guy Augie theme is what we need, just based on that alone. All right, well, everybody. Thank you, sir. All go right. Go ahead and wrap it up. All right. Thanks again, Augie. Have a great night, buddy. You too, buddy. Take care. A little coked up Elvis as we head towards the playoffs. Again, this is your old friend Scott Cahill, a.k.a. The Hip Check, L.A. Kings Road Talk Radio. See you guys Wednesday night. Go Kings! See you at some of those watch parties now here.
fantastic. Thank you. You're a beautiful audience, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you.